Otherwise on SAFM. Otherwise it is Talking Women here on SAFM coming to you from Grahamstown. Together with a whole lot of women we sit here, it's actually, it's been fascinating looking at the, uh, at the gender balance of what's going on here. And there's a lot of women represented right throughout. And I think as far as I know, the National Arts Festival turns 40 years old next year. And it'd be interesting to know just from a woman's point of view how there's been perhaps more and more input from women. But we'll just get onto that in just a minute. So let's start off with the woman alone. Well, clearly we're not women alone. We are, as I say, <laughs> surrounded by lots of women. But A Woman Alone is a production that we're going to be hearing about. In fact, Kim and I are going to see it tonight, which is very exciting. Um, and it's set in the 1990s here in South Africa. But the play was first written by a husband and wife team, Franco Rame and Dario Fo. Well, Franco used to perform this play because it's based on her own true story. It's a, a story of her a capture and her rape. And I'm, I'm going to let uh, Candice Gawler do the, the talking on this one because she's a, she's a director. In fact, she's very soon to be acting in the production, but we'll get onto that in just a minute as well. We've got Candice with us. We've also got Jess Harrison, who is presently taking the lead. Hi, Jess. Hi, Candice. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thanks okay. for having us. I've done pleasure because uh, it's one way of getting a sort of preview of what we're going to be seeing tonight. But Candice, there's a big backstory to this. I mean, you've set it now in South Africa in the 90s, but let's take it from the beginning. Okay, well, um, yes, Franka Rama, she's a very interesting and very powerful. Well, she actually passed away last month, so rest oh, in peace. Oh, really? Of course. Yeah. Um, even more poignant. Yes. Um, so she was a, a fascinating theatre figure in um, Italy. She was um, abducted and raped by a gang of fascists in the 70s because her theatre, well, her and her husband's theatre is so um, provocative well, at the time. It's very much popular theatre, so um, it spoke very much to the people and it's got a very, so- well, it had a very socialist slant. Um, and a lot of her work stems from her personal experience as a woman and she actually used to um, have, like, group, she would have performances and then get feedback from the audience and real women's experiences and you know, um, so her theatre comes from a, well came from a very real place. Um, but what we've done is because it, it was written in the in the seventies, the late seventies, and her whole experiences come from that time. It is a bit dated, um, so we've up, updated it to <laughs> a South African context and a South African um, a very uh, important time in South Africa as well. Um, and the play sort of it doesn't it doesn't focus on that story um, of her her abuse, but it does touch on sort of the every woman's domestic um, abuse and violence against women, which I think, um, as we all know, is very important at this time in this country. Um, just judging by news mm. um, and recent events. Um, so yeah, she's a fascinating figure, um, and so to do it's like a, 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 it's very important to us sort of. I think this work is very much a tribute to her, especially, um, yeah, given this time in this country, woman in this country, every colour woman. It's not a, you know, it's not a, it's not a race thing. It's a gender thing, and I think we understand deeply at the at this present time what it is to be a woman in this country, and it's a very difficult thing. Yeah. Um, even though seemingly we're so liberated. So yeah, this story is about a woman alone in her house, um, and she goes through a lot of hardships. Um, and she, in fact, is the adulteress, but um, we learn why. So it's a, yeah, it's a funny story, actually. It's, very, <laughs> it's funny. It's find that hard to believe. No, right? It's hysterical, yeah. in fact. Mm, mm. Um, um, and Jace does a, a grand job of um, 
portraying her. So, yeah, she, it's, it's set in her house. She has a conversation with the neighbor, um, and she obviously hasn't spoken to people for a while, so it's a bit like... So she's a woman isolated, or yeah. sort of self-exiled, or yeah. self-isolated. Well, not self well isolated by her husband. Oh, okay. Mm. It becomes more complicated, mm. but clearly you're, you're not about to give away too much. No, so. I don't know. No, certainly <laughs> not. Okay. <laughs> But you know, you know, you talk about abuse. You talk about it, the play being a bit dated, and I'm thinking if only abuse and rape were dated, wouldn't that exactly. be wonderful? And everybody would stop doing it because it wouldn't be so cool anymore. Sadly, that's not quite the case. So, she wrote just just staying with her real story and staying with those circumstances back in the 70s. I'm I'm guessing Italian, Franco yes. Dario. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so in the 70s, there there would have been fewer plays, from what I can really remember, about this sort of thing in those days. Absolutely. It would have been quite a revolutionary play. That yeah, she wrote very much so. And I mean, just the fact that it's a woman alone on stage is already quite a statement mm. because, you know, the stage was very dominated by men. You know, and even she, well, she was a, the, one of the only females in her um, husband's company. And then she asked him to write the plays, and she would just, she, she sort of devised the stories, and he would just script them for her. So the stories all come from her, her personal experiences, woman and like woman, because it's part of the women's movement um, in Italy in that, at that time. So it's a very like, politically relevant play in that time in Italy. Yes, as you say, very much a sort of a social statement as yes. as well. But for you, Jess, as the as the actor in this particular play. Um, it's funny, um, which is already quite difficult, given what we're talking about here. Yeah. But have you have you had to look very much into Franca herself, or are you looking very much, as Candice was saying, into the every woman experience? Um, it has been quite a journey. We've um, it's it's quite a layered and nuanced piece, and I think that it's it's extremely accessible. Um, any person who's been through any amount of pain could understand it's it's full of pathos um, it's extremely accessible and the the way that we use humor is to is to engage the audience and that accessibility to draw them in um, and yeah it was it was a, a process of research about Frankarama we did a lot of uh, readings on her work um, she's a very magnificent writer she writes very poignantly and very honestly um, but there was uh, it's it's such a universal story I mean you really could talk to any woman who'd been through any amount of pain and um, be able to derive and extrapolate from that and build a character uh, I'm interested in its universality presumably she wrote it in Italian but it's been pre- pre- uh, translated into English mm. yeah they, they encouraged a lot, um, translation and um, they encouraged sort of like in if you read the script they've encouraged other countries to when they adapt it to adapt it for their own oh. um, so you're their own context. So, mm. so we're no, sort of obeying it, but um, quite radically. We've like you know, we've added a bit of stuff here and there. Mm. Um, but I think what um, what is because Dario and Franco Roma come from a very popular theatre uh, culture. Um, we've we've used clowning sort of as a basis for um, the actor. So for Jess. It's very much about vulnerability and uh, being open, and that's where the humour lies, you know, because, like she said, so accessible for the audience because they're directly in contact with her. You know, she speaks to them as the audience, kind of. So, mm. and how have you, how have you then up this accessibility that you were talking about? How uh, have you South Africanized it? I mean, would we would we recognise South African language in it? Yes, mm. we've used a lot of colloquialisms, a lot of references to specific South African uh, South Africanisms. Um, definitely, the audience. Gets it. Um, we have a lot of um, a lot of references uh, that are well, very pertinent to South African audience. Um, but also, she's uh, she's 
a woman stuck in her house. She's got the South African accent. She's ditzy. She's the type of woman that we all know, someone like this. <laughs> like both of you, because the interesting thing about this production is that um, actually you're going to switch roles soon. <laughs> no. Well, well, something. Well, well, maybe not me particularly in this role, but I think, yeah, I'd very much like to Because, Jess, you're doing Jess. a master's in directing, so yes. you're, you might take the directing role and... Candace, are you pulling out of this one? Are you <laughs> not going to be? No, no we're, we're looking at other shows, at other okay. collaborations, okay. with other scripts. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to direct Candace. Just lastly then, uh, you know, it's funny. Um, clearly there's a message. When you say the audience gets it, does yeah. it, does it um, proffer the same sort of deb- debate? Do people start talking about women's issues? Well, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, from feedback we've gotten, I mean, it's very interesting to see the men in the audience and when they laugh. <laughs> um, I was watching yesterday. Well, when they the shuffle back. out. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, because I mean, there are obviously a lot of sexual jokes and things, mm. and they fi- find those hysterical, but mm. actually it then starts to like border on, on the you know, abuse of mm. side and you're like, mm, why are people still it laughing? It sounds extremely edgy. I can't wait to see it. A woman alone. Candice Gawler, Jess Harrison, thank you very much. Thank and you. Don't break a leg, whatever. Great. The <laughs> pertinent expression is, if you're tempted by all of that, and I think the sexy jokes may be it's a bit of a come on, it's <laughs> happening at the Masonic Back at uh, tonight at 10 o'clock and then it's happening again tomorrow at 4pm. But I suspect we haven't seen the last of this play. I suspect we shall see it again and again. Thanks, guys. You're thank anything you. to otherwise, stay with us. Are you up to date with the world of property? For all things property matters. What are your rights as a property owner and or purchaser? Are you a tenant or the landlord and you need advice? What is the value of your investment in commercial property in South Africa? What matters are of importance in discussing land ownership? Trust us to simplify and help you understand the detail in all things property matters. Join me, Dineo Mulomo, every week on Tuesday morning on Morning Talk at 10.30. Otherwise, on SAFM. It is indeed otherwise talking women, very much talking women, talking about women in uh, various different productions. We've got four productions we're talking about today. It's sadly not possible to go and see them all, but this one we did see. It's called Mawawa the Florist, and it's a very touching little piece. It's a play written by Kolisa Ngobelanga, who sadly is not able to join us because he's busy with another show. But it it relates a a very simple story of a woman who's who's let down and where a man finds that flowers speak louder than words, which is just very touching. And it's Mm -hmm. a very... It's a pretty play, although it's not necessarily a very pretty subject, but here to tell us all about it is Jocelyn Skoltz, who writes throughout the play, scribbling in her book because she is sort of kind of writing the story mm-hmm. as she goes along. Lovely to have you, Jocelyn. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much nice for Nice little me. play. Now, you're with, let's get at the beginning here because you're with PASEC, which stands for Performing Arts Company of, of the, the Eastern, Eastern Cape. Cape. Yeah, okay. Who put it to you guys to put together this play or put it to Colisa? Well, we've been instructed by the Opera House. We've been given a title, Mawawa the Florist. And they said, you know what, go away and come up with something new. And this is what had come about. Like you said, Ulu he had written the play and also directed it. And then we were cast. Um, I was cast as Antoinette, the writer, Notando Kile, who um, is played by Olwe Tumdala. And um, Spongile is played by Nomfundo, who is also part of the company called Pesek. Okay, so that was how it came together. Mm-hmm. So it was Colisa uh, who, who really dreamt up what to do with yep, this. Yep. Mean, what a lovely idea to be given the title, then just go away and do something <laughs> with it. Yes. And what did he do? 
he went away and what well we all went away and we sort of dreamt about this title and we all came up with different ideas but his was 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 just breathtaking and and um as he was writing it he was casting us um in his head in his head so um yeah that's how it came about and weirdly enough he didn't just oh, so write he, as he, a guy he wrote he wrote it around you guys as, you, um as i would say partially yes <laughs> i would say partially yes because this was the actors he was given to work with so um as he was writing you were seeing myself as this character and this one as that character so yeah the the some of the the elements of the show was given to him and then like i said strangely enough he wasn't just writing as a man <laughs> you know because you know how guys are when it gets to women <laughs> yes and and that's really what it's all about it's about um because he he plays the forest yes he plays um, Moala. and then uh, you know and then it is about how his life impacts on other women mm -hmm, mm -hmm. tell us the story because it's not going to be performed anymore yep, no. certainly not here so yeah tell us what happens well what happens is Mawawa is this florist who's been traveling who um has he always had a love for flowers because his mother was the one who sort of groomed into you know gardening and 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 um he grew a passion for flowers and um he he then obviously charmed his high school sweetheart whom he got married to with these flowers and um, he then met a friend um, Jan Kutsia within the play and together they traveled um, uh, delivering alcohol around you know around the Cape and so on and then what happened was there was a big accident there was an explosion where two patrolling officers got killed and Jan and Mawawa had to then fled you know he had to just leave and go because at that time things were different as they are now um, and he then never saw his his wife again because he flew and um, he was then living on the corner or selling a uh, on the corner of the street selling flowers and then by doing that he met friends through flowers Uspongile there's a character called Wombut who he also met through the flowers and um, he he's also telling Spongile He's also telling Spongile within the play that, listen, um, you, you, you shouldn't measure your, your love or, or your looks or the compliments you get by the flower that you get. So, um, yeah, it's basically just, do you know what happens to a woman after you give her a flower? You know, basically that kind of thing that happens over there. Yeah. The, the sad thing that his wife is left behind, mm -hmm. um, which has happened so often. I'm, I'm guessing that the play is set pre the days of cell phones because maybe yep. they're actually sort of contacting each other. And she mourns and she spends her whole life, she, I can't remember her exact words, but basically she, she, her life has been wasted. Yeah, I mean she's 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 living in the past. She's she's been been on a you know on a place somewhere. She's duty bound as a woman and as a mother. She has a duty towards her kids, whom um, the father has never met. And then her her eldest son said, "Well, listen, I'm going to go and I'm going to go find my father." The son also got lost. So now she's stranded with a husband that that doesn't even do right by her, and a son is nowhere to be found. You know, so she's left to pack her load and come after the, the, the father of her son who had left her many years ago. But as a woman, 
she was due to bound to fulfill her duties at that time. Did you guys all relate to to the various parts that you're playing? <laughs> you play you play the sort of narrator, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the writer of because yeah. the, the play happens within Antoinette's head. So yeah, of course, um, um, I could relate. Um, as as a woman, I could relate because. You know, somehow you had to be objective, but you know how it feels when a guy gives you a flower and not call the next day. You know how it feels when a guy thinks that he could do everything right by giving you a flower. So yes, I think we all could relate. Yep. It's I, I suppose one of the things going back to Pasek. I keep wanting to call it Paycheck, but it's Paycheck. <laughs> Paycheck. One of the things about Paycheck is that you're. Um, I think that you're uh, training up other young people to mm-hmm. be performers yep. as well. Mm. And the thing about being a performer is it's not only fun and it's a, a job and all those things but it does make you think about things that you might not necessarily mm-hmm. you, you might be running away from and just you know ostrich don't want to know about mm-hmm. that so it's forced you to think a, a lot about the yeah. sort of issues that might have affected your mother your grandmother mm-hmm. or, or even your contemporaries yeah um I th- it, it, like like I will I will always say that being in the arts shapes you as a person you are for me I was not complete until I had fulfilled one of what this element of my life and and I think we're also blessed to be able to take part in 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 the industry and yes I think we also influence people around us um when we go to rehearsals when we come back and we're exci- so excited and we share our experiences with with whomever is there to listen so yeah um I think we do give off and we also teach like you like you mentioned um the six of us we 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 teach at our local high schools we we teach um performing arts as a whole and we love bringing our, our kids who didn't have the opportunity before to come to the opera house and and have that platform to just experience and and grow within theater you know, you and all of you in the production are are blessed because you can, because you're really good. I mean, mm-hmm. there's some really fine performances. I mean, Carissa himself, he's, he's a bit of a Mark Lottering lookalike. <laughs> <laughs> With the but, hair. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but you're all you're all really good. And I thought that there was a little little girl sitting next to me in the mm-hmm. in the audience, and I thought she just wanted to be like you guys. Oh. So, so it comes with a, quite a responsibility, especially if you're working with young people. In, in, indeed, it does. Mm. It's like you 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 are the mirror. You are the mirror. You have to be out there, and people look at you, and they look at what you portray. Like our students, we have to be a certain way because they look at us, and they want to see us a certain way, and they sort of compare. Like I want to be like that. I want to be like that. So we have to watch our step. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing is, you know, something that's sort of training. It's a wonderful thing, and it's a way out of out of poverty. It's a way out of an impoverished situation. But at the same time, it's not a way to make yourself very rich and famous, is it? I mean, I, I, you're doing, well, you've finished now Mawawa, but you're doing a number of other productions mm-hmm. whilst you're here. But when you go back to PE... We carry on. It's a bit of a vulnerable um, position, isn't it, to be an actor? What, what, what is lovely is the six of us, we are, we are permanently employed uh, via... The, the opera house so well, what is great is we go back and we, and we continue w- working so we are indeed very blessed um, there's not a lot of people who you know who gets the opportunity so we work hard and we push through and yep we are busy with two other productions one which will be up tonight at half past, half past seven and that is um, monologues in first gear okay. at um, Kingswood Theatre that will be then our last performance of monologue one and then um, tomorrow correct mirror Cracked Mirror is um, done. We had the f- we had the final sold out show last night. Absolutely amazing, sold out show last night. That was the last. So the only remaining two productions is Monologue One, 
tonight off past seven at uh, Kingswood and then tomorrow and Wednesday monologues too, which also includes um, instrumentalists and dancers whom we are working with and collaborating with. Yeah. Sure, it's feast or famine. I can't imagine getting my head round being <laughs> in so many different productions. Is it, is it, are you going to collapse in a heap after Graham's Sunstones? Well, I'm looking forward to a holiday. <laughs> But um, it is it is indeed very stressful. There's no place for any other personal things. There's no place for any stress. You just have to come and do. And especially doing two different productions on, on the same day, you know, getting into a different body. Schizophrenic. Jocelyn <laughs> <laughs> Scott, thank you very much. I think if anybody is in PE and they'd like to sort of sign up, maybe they can just Google. It's the Performing Arts Company of the, the Eastern, Eastern Cape. Cape. Yep. certainly sounds like a, a really worthwhile organisation and wonderful that you're permanently employed. How many actresses can say that? Thank you very much. Lovely. Jocelyn Scott, thank you very much. We were talking there about Mawawa. Coming up after the news headlines, we're going to be talking about rainbow scars and bye-bye world, so stay with us for those. But right now, 1.30, news headlines time with Aureli Kalenga. Thanks very much already, but right now you're listening to Otherwise here on SAFM. Coming to you from the National Arts Festival in Grahamstown. In a minute we're going to be hearing about two more productions. One is called Bye Bye World, in which a woman literally, as far as I understand it, takes her leave of the world. Gosh, I guess we all want to do that at some stage in our life. But first we're going to hear about a a production called Rainbow Scars. A really interesting one, the story of a born free orphan who gets adopted into a suburban family. But before we do that, I did promise you I'd tell you a little bit about walking here in Grahamstown, and I took some time out earlier. Enough of this sitting around in uh, studios, makeshift studios, and uh, <laughs> sitting in productions. I thought I'd go and do some walking, and I did one of the walking tours called Settler Skeletons and Colourful Characters, and very colourful it was indeed too. So, and I think that they happen, they don't just happen at, at festival time. I think that you can do these walking tours any time, and uh, Grahamstown is crawling with history, good and bad. So, you know, if you fancy doing a little bit of walking running, Catching a bit of that history, that's the thing to do. We met at the Cock House and then moved on from there. But it's not going to be difficult if you get yourself to Grahamstown. You can find out all the details. Okay, let's get the details then from our next guest. She is, in fact, Catrice Maitessa. And she plays Lynn Dewey in a production called Rainbow Scars. Hi, Catrice. Hello, Auntie. Nice to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Okay, tell us a little bit about Rainbow Scars. It's, well, I'm, I've been giving away the sort of synopsis, as it were. It's a mm-hmm. story of the born-free or- orphan. Her name's Lynn Dewey. She gets adopted by a suburban mother, and then we fast forward to 2012, and Lynn Dewey's in her matricula. Yes. And things kind of fall apart, or yes. they get very difficult. Yes. Tell us the story. Um, well, without giving much away, okay. um, basically, as she turned a mom, and they have this awesome life going so on. So she was a single mom who adopted. Um, no, um, she was indeed married, but then she got divorced. Um, the adoptive father went to to jail for fraud, and uh, her adoptive sister Megan is uh, studying overseas. So it's just her and a mom, and they have a very cozy life. They're very close. They they they're basically friends. They're best buddies. And um, is she the only child in the family? There are no. Um, it was just her and her sister Megan, her oh, sister Megan, okay. studying overseas, and then her cousin comes out of nowhere and turns their life upside down. And her they don't birth know. cousin, birth cousin, mm-hmm. yes. Um, he, uh, as Lindy, is originally from Kailicha. Uh, she was adopted when she was um, three years old. Uh, her mother unfortunately passed away, so the Ellen Robinson um, adopted her and took her in and raised her as her own. So now. Um, Many years later, um, the cousin has been in jail, has been through really rough times, and, and then he just wants to find his cousin to relay a message from his mom, who is unfortunately about to pass away. So he comes to find Lindy, and then everything is just turned upside down, and there's a lot of miscommunication, um, a lot of, um, uh, a lot of not sort of many fights and, and misunderstanding, and who am I, what am I, what's going on, 
why is this all coming now? Why me? You know? So it's hard on all three, not just her. It's, it's hard on um, her cousin and her mom and her. Yeah, gosh. And it's all happening in her matricula. Yes. <laughs> add to the whole complication of it. Is it based on a true story? Um, I mean, there are such adoption, adoptions, is it? Is yes, it? yes. Um, they are. I, I'm not sure if necessarily based on a true story, but... Um, not one particular true um, story. Anyway. No, no, no. I do know that... Um, to, to get into the role and character, I do I just speak to one of my friends. Um, my friend's friend. She was, uh, she was um, raised in a in a white family um, when she was little. So I just I just sat down with her and got to know what that was like for her and whether it was difficult or not. And she said it was. It, it, it gets difficult and and you're you're treated differently, you know, mm-hmm. because you are black and now you've got this amazing accent and you're educated and well and you're kind of looked upon by other kids in the township, you know. Um, but it, it's different in that looked upon, looked down split, upon. Looked down sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, they they believe that you believe that you're superior to them yeah. when it's not even like that, you know. That lack of communication and misunderstanding. Um, but it's different in the sense that she chose not to get involved with that side of the family, whereas the people I know who were raised by a white family are very much involved with their with their families in the townships and the other side. They cultural side. Yeah, yeah. I suppose if there were to be a handbook on how to deal with cross-cultural adoption, <laughs> this might be the start of it. Yes, definitely. What, for your friend that you spoke to, what mm-hmm. were the sort of issues that she found most difficult um, that just, you've worked with? She just said um, it was it was hard having to go from Kailija and just coming to this white family. And, and the, room, the first night she, she slept over, she just cried and cried and cried because it was so different and it was new and she was only a child. Um, otherwise... Sometimes she didn't feel that she belonged, you know, because there were siblings as well. And she just felt different. Not that she was treated differently or ill in any way. She just, it was, it was, it was hard. Yeah. But as she grew, um, she got used to it and she carried on living her life. Yeah, and, and the thing is that people, people, family life is so different. It's sort of different and the same, but, you know, there's sort of nuances that are yes. quite difficult to deal with. And I imagine for Lindy Way in the play, she is... I don't know, the way that she's been brought up in the white family would have mm. been one way, and the cousin who comes and creates mayhem, would have been a, a very different, different thing. Especially since um, um, they were poor and there's a lot of poverty, whereas Lindy was very, very well off. Her mom is very well off, and she got a lot of opportunities, and, you know, she never really suffered in the sense that her cousins and their siblings might have suffered, and the mom. So how does she deal with it? I mean, give us some other lessons. Um... Well, at first, she, 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 there's a lot of confrontation with her mom, and, and she's trying to understand because her mom did keep a lot from her. Um, the cousin comes in and is like, I've did been... Did she keep, keep a lot from her, you know, as, um, as her original birth family? Um, yes, she, uh, like her cousin, has been trying to contact her for a while, and she's just been pretending that she, she'll relay the message to Lindy, but she hasn't. She's trying to, she was trying to protect her in a way because um, she just felt that, well, Lindy did make the choice not to get involved, and now all of a sudden it's just coming at such a wrong time, and Jeremy's coming out of jail, perhaps early, and everything, a lot is happening for Ellen, you know, and it's not just about Lindy, a lot is happening on Ellen's side, and, and then Lindy, and there's no communication, so they sort of clash and, and, and fight, you know. There's a lot of, it's a lot to do with miscommunication. Um, if I think if they all had just sat down and really talked, and they would have gotten through it, and it, would have been would have been solid. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it's a, it's an ideal situation for complete miscom- miscommunication because mm-hmm. I suppose it sounds like everybody's trying to do the right thing, or, yes. or not so much. Everybody, everybody's 
doing their own thing in a way. You know, no one wants to listen to anybody else. It's, it's, it's I'm right. It's about me, sort of. No one's taking time to stop and really listen. They're hearing, but they're not listening. Um, so that's where the the, the the problem is. For you, um, Catrice, what's been the what what's been your response to it, and what has been the audience's response? Have you have you had anybody coming up and saying, "You, this is my situation. Uh, I relate." Yeah, we uh, we've had uh, we've had amazing responses, like responses that we didn't even um, expect. You know, a lot of people have have come towards us and, and said, "Thank you." Thank you, thank you for that. It was it was it was beautiful, and I can relate on this level. I can relate on that level. Some people were in tears. Um, for some, it, it it changed their perspective and their views and the the decisions they're going to make from now on in life. You know, it's it's, it's been beautiful, and it's it's quite mind-boggling and incomprehensible that you, as an actress, are. Are, are taking the the audience on such an emotional journey and and thoughts and and that because of you and because of this play that you've you've changed them you've yeah. changed their life in a little bit yeah. uh, in a little way. We were saying earlier to Justin, it's such a responsibility being on the stage. It is. It really <laughs> buy into it. And the thing about Rainbow Scars, it's, it's clearly not a funny. Um, it's, it sounds like a very emotional piece. Beyond Quite traumatic. Yes, traumatic. But with a bit of the dollops of, of comedy here and there, okay. you know. <laughs> a lot of laughs sometimes. <laughs> yes, yes. That bad. So it's on here, it's on more performances here in Grahamstown? Yes, um, we're all from Monday to Wednesday, but we are back on the 4th of July, half past five. And we'll be we'll be here during the school festival as well to to be performing for the schools. But we also have um, other lovely shows at the gymnasium. Um, we have Brothers in Blood, which is also another Mike van Gaan production, and Panic. And we one that will, is really nice since this is a women's show is um, Running on Empty. It's a mm-hmm. one woman show. Oh, about uh, anorexia or eating um, disorders. It's about it says it's a a single woman is running on an empty stomach on a treadmill. A hamster wheel of her thoughts. She struggles to maintain her balance, stumbling over her past. Uh, it's with uh, Nic- Nicola Hanacom. Well, we tried very hard to get, but she's not here. But yeah, maybe no, we'll she's get busy performing. Catrice, um, we're going to leave it at that. But lovely, lovely, and enjoy the rest of it. And I suspect that the play will have legs beyond this. I forgot to mention that it's by Mike Van Kran, but uh, lovely. Thank you very much for <laughs> Thank doing. you so much, Auntie. Absolute pleasure. And uh, that was Catrice uh, uh, Maitessa, a.k.a. Lindy Wheaton-Landu, and the play is called Rainbow Scar, so if you'd like to find out more, Google it, and if you're here in Grahamstown, you can see it on the 4th and 5th. You're listening to Otherwise. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Valen Kirti. I'm a Shake the World ambassador, which means that I support the 8 Millennium Development Goals set by the United Nations in 2000. Lime green, orange, and dark green bees adorn my wrist because I support goal two, achieving primary education. Goal number three, promoting gender equality and empowering women. And goal seven, ensuring environmental sustainability. These are massive tasks which will need the energy of millions. My support is how I shake the world. How do you shake the world? Shake, shake. This is SAFM. Otherwise, on SAFM. Otherwise, coming to you from Grahamstown, and we've got a real uh, shuffle of women coming in and out of this. Lovely to have all these different people with all these different ideas to, to talk about and hear about, and so sad that we're not going to be able to see all these productions. Oh, that you can only do so much. Bye Bye World is the next production that we're going to be hearing about, and in the studio with me, I have Vera Ketlas, and she's written, or she's partly written, I think, the text for this production. 
And it's all about a woman who takes one bite of her birthday cake and then decides that that's it, and she decides she's just going to leave. Um, where she's going, who knows? But we've got Vera to tell us all about it. Hi, Vera. Hi, hello. And Vera's come all the way from the Netherlands, incidentally, and I think, now, Vera, the backstory to this is that there are quite a lot of women involved in it. Uh, tell us how Bye Bye World came about. Well, we are with a group of four women. Uh, we are two actresses, one director and one dramaturg. And... Um, but it's not that it had to be with women. It was just yeah. that it happened to be that we were with four women. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it, the piece is about two women uh, who have a desire to disappear and start all over again. Um, and they have both very different reasons. So one character is really preparing her, uh, her leaving, and the other one does it by snap, like a snap. She has her birthday cake and she thinks, no, no, this, this is it. Impulsive. I'd an impulsive deed, yeah. indeed. Where did it come from? Is it is it come out of your head, or is it based on something else, or is it based on a true story? Are you longing to leave this planet? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, it's more. I think uh, we what we had uh, in common that we all know the the desire to to disappear, and I think in Holland we grow up with this, maybe everywhere, with the idea that at age of thirty you 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 should have everything or you're supposed to have a, a, a job and a house and a husband and and a then be on the way and yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly uh, and that's the image we ha- we have and then you are 30 and you think well is this the path i have planned for me no maybe not uh and we were thinking about it and it was so that's how we came with it, and the, the the creating process was very difficult. And I first started writing a text, and two weeks before the premiere, we thought this is rubbish, and we throw away everything, and we started all over again, like in the piece, <laughs> oh. and uh, we started improvising, and parts of the text came back, and parts were made uh, freshly anew, and so that's how we how we made it. Well, stop right there, because I can imagine that can't have done your ego any good. I mean, you're busy writing all this text, and then everybody gets together and says, no, it's a load of rubbish. Was it because it was too personal, and was it, or was it you that felt that you hadn't hit the spot? Mm, it was, I think, we all together, and I, because I was writing, we didn't hit the spot, because we were t- thinking about what, we were focused on what happens when you leave. And then we thought, no, but that's, that's not right. It's about why you leave. Why do you want to do it? Um, that was just a, a mistake in a concept. So uh, in the last two weeks of, of creating, we were thinking, no, it's about why. And every what, everyone came with stories about, yeah, I know somebody who just left and nobody heard everything of him. Um, why would you want to leave? I mean, you're quite right. A lot of people say, oh, I wish, I wish the world would just stop and I could just get off and just breathe. But... But what for you? Why would you want to leave? Mm. Well, I don't know if I really if I really want to leave, but I do really know the feeling that you are stuck in what what yeah, you have decided. Yeah. So it's more I, d- I don't think the women decide to leave, but I don't know if they are really leaving. Yeah. Maybe it's a, a matter of getting out of the rut that one can so easily get into. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And how does she, this, this woman who takes a bite of her birthday cake, she's a spontaneous one, is yes. it? Right, that's it. <laughs> what, what goes on through her mind? I mean, the, the text that you wrote or the way it's, which it's been improvised? Mm, 
what goes on in her head? Well, what you see in the performance is you see uh, scenes, uh, small scenes out of her life, and uh, Anna, the other actress, is, is playing her, and I'm playing the characters around her. Uh, and you actually see that she loses grip, so she does everything, and she talks with everyone, and, and she's happy, and laughing, laughing, but you can see in her eyes that she's not there anymore. Mm. So she doesn't tell you what's going on in her head. You can see it when you come to the performance. Yes. Okay. <laughs> One of the things about improvisation, I suppose, is that you've got to, you have an idea of what's, what this play is all about, or this piece is all about. But you have to have, um, you have to have resources on which you can draw. You have to have experiences to draw on because there you are and you've got to do it now. There's no chance to prepare. Yeah. Is, that, is that quite hard as, a, as an actress? I think it's it's quite hard because I'm you're pointing at your stomach and I'm feeling it. It's got <laughs> to come from got to come from the inside. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I am a, a text person, so uh, when I improvise with text, I think it's very difficult. And when I, imp- when I improvise without, I think it's easy because when I want to I want to talk, I want to think about it, and I want to have to write words, and it has to be good. Uh, but when it's without lines, I yeah, it's, it's very nice actually because things happen that you can't, uh, yeah, think of. Yeah, yeah. The other thing, of course, is that your home language would be Dutch. Yes. And you've written this in Dutch or in English in or Dutch. Dutch, and then translated it. Translated it. Okay. So w- what we're going to be seeing is in, in English. English. Yes. How difficult was the translation? We're very conscious here in South Africa of language and the nuances, yeah. the, the slight changes. It is difficult. Well, somebody else translated it for us. Um, and of course, it's a bit different. The piece is different, but still, I think it's very Dutch, even though it's in English. It's a very Dutch way of of, of saying things, and and also the whole cultural um and the, the sort of response that you've had that uh, either either back home or here in South Africa, here at the festival, uh, have people have women related to it? Have people related to it? Because as you say, it doesn't necessarily have to be women. No, very yeah, fair, people relate very uh, good, very much to it. We had very different reactions of people who say, oh, I want this, or I've done it and I came back, oh. or um, I know somebody who, or my, I think my sister might leave. Really, that personal reactions, uh, that's very fascinating. Yeah. And also, there are also people who can't really relate to it, but most can, also men. Yeah. <laughs> Talking of relating, I just need to ask you this because you were the first non-South African we've had on the show oh. just right now. Ha- talking of relating to things, what have you what have you seen either amongst the people or the productions that you've seen or anything that you've seen that you can relate to? Have you had a sense of um, South Africa revealing itself here at the festival? What have, what, what's been your response? Well, I've seen yesterday a fantastic piece, Exit Exist. It's really, I mean, it was, it's fantastic. Gregory yes. Goma. It was so good. Yeah. And we were all sitting there and crying, and we could so, I could relate to it immediately because it was, well, it was dance, so it was the language of the body, but it was so strong and so, so good. And I believe it's his own story. It is. Yeah. And also his family was also there, so it was, it was very, and I think everyone in, in the audience was, touched and moved and everyone stood in <laughs> standing ovation yes, lovely well Vera thank you very much and I'm sure there'll be many standing ovations at Bye Bye World and people wanting to just get off the planet uh, <laughs> but lovely thank you for joining us and it's still on when where uh, we will start on Wednesday okay where the 4th at the B2 Arena okay. and until Saturday
Wednesday the 4th right through until Saturday at the B2 Arena that's Bye Bye World and it's Bye Bye Otherwise thank you very much Vera Kettler thank you she has put together the text but it sounds like she's also in it well that's it for Otherwise right now coming up next it's time for a first story time with Nali Bali